encourage you to open Scripture this morning to the last two verses of the book of Acts. Finally, after 60-some Sundays of being through this series of the book of Acts, uh, you, if you did not bring your Bible this morning, um, you may find a Bible provided in the chair in front of you. And this passage will be found on page number 938. As you turn there, I want to let you know, people have been asking me, so what's, what happens next? Uh, well, for the next few Sundays, we will be reviewing the book of Acts. It's been such a long time since we started it that I think a review is so appropriate. Uh, and we'll be reviewing it based on certain themes that the book of Acts has been uh, building up. And uh, we'll be looking at that in the next few Sundays. This morning, last two verses of Acts, chapter 28, verses 30 and 31. Here's the word of the Lord for us this morning. He, speaking about Paul, lived there two whole years speaking about Rome, at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is how the book of Acts ends. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that you are a God who encourages your servants to speak with boldness. You're a God who provides a way that your word will be proclaimed without hindrance. This morning, would you use this ending of Acts to speak to our hearts, to encourage us, to strengthen us in faith. We pray that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit for the glory of the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. We are at the end of the conclusion of Acts. We've been looking at the conclusion section for a few weeks now. But today I want to zoom in the last two verses of this book and notice how Luke ends this entire book, this historical account of the rise of, of Christianity. It doesn't take much effort to notice, if you were to look at this ending, that Luke ended this book rather abruptly rather quickly. And there are many theories why Luke chose to do that. Uh, this morning, I, I want to look not just at the abruptness of it and, and try to explain why, but I want to look at something else that's going on in, the, in this ending of Acts that hints at Luke's aim and purpose. Uh, some year ago, a year plus ago, we, we looked at the overall theme and the overall purpose of the book of Acts and at that time, I, I mentioned that the book of Acts, the overall theme and purpose for this whole book is the salvation prepared by God in Christ, proclaimed to all people. The salvation prepared by God in Christ, proclaimed to all people. And now this abrupt ending of Acts points to that overarching theme. Paul was under house arrest in Rome. For two years. We don't know what happened after the two years, but Luke's ultimate purpose is not to tell us a conclusion 
to Paul's life. Acts is not about Paul's life, even though for the last 10, 12 chapters, he sort of has been the main character uh, in, in, in the book of Acts, but in this sec- second half of Acts. But the, the main point of Acts is not the Apostle Paul. Luke's ultimate aim is to leave us with a picture that the Word of God, which announces God's salvation through Jesus, this Word is not bound. That's it. The point which Luke wants to highlight here at the very end is that the Word of God is not bound, even if Paul is bound. As a matter of fact, in one of the very last letters that Paul wrote, we don't know, scholars don't know if if he wrote this particular letter at this time or a little later, but in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, the Apostle Paul says, Remember, he says to Timothy, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Luke's ending in Acts shows us that the word of God is not constrained by our limitations. The word of God is not constrained by our limitations. We are often tempted to think that, that God is somehow limited by what we can do. We sometimes think that God can do what we can do. Friends, no, God can do, even when we're limited, God can do things that go above and beyond our limitations. And here at the end of Acts, Luke emphasizes two characteristics of how the Word of God was unbound, even if His servant was bound. We may not have the same circumstances as Paul. We, we may not be bound in, in a, in a, in a, to a Roman soldier. We may not be under house arrest as he was. But friends, take courage that God's word is not dependent upon our circumstances. There's a faith in God's word which defies our circumstances. Actually, Luke's ending bolsters our confidence in spreading the Word of God. In spite of challenging situations, in spite of limitations that are around us, we can have boldness and speak God's Word without hindrance. This morning, I want us to look at two characteristics. These two characteristics, these two phrases that describe how the Word of God was passed on by Paul. Two ways, with all boldness and without hindrance with all boldness and without hindrance. Let's look at the first one, speaking with all boldness. What does it mean to speak with boldness? As you're thinking about it, about this answer, what does it mean to speak with with boldness? I want to make sure we clarify what it does not mean to speak with boldness. Speaking with boldness doesn't mean simply speaking with passion. You know, people who speak with passion and excitement. It's great when people are able to do that, but that's not necessarily speaking with boldness. Don't think of of boldness as as that kind of speaking that you often see with salespeople. You know, they're really excited about their product, and they're so hype about it, and they're so enthusiastic uh, that just their enthusiasm gives you suspicion. You know what I'm talking about? 
I mean, they get excited about a vacuum cleaner, as if a vacuum cleaner will change your life. You know, that, that's just a little too much. That's not the kind of boldness I'm talking about. Such boldness is, not connect, is, is often connected, or such, such way of speaking is often connected to someone's personality. You know, somebody who's an extrovert, or someone who's very outgoing. But boldness has nothing to do with that. Don't, don't think of boldness in, in, in those kind of ways. So what does boldness mean? Well, it has three dimensions. Boldness has three dimensions. If we were to look at, at boldness in the way it's often used in the Bible, um, it, has, it has three different aspects. And by the way, these aspects are, are interrelated. I'm going to split them up for you just so, you so it makes sense. But the first one, it can mean speaking plainly. Speaking plainly about a subject matter, about, about whatever. It's a kind of speaking that conceals nothing, passes over nothing, hides nothing. It speaks with, with frankness. It's like all cards are on the table so that one speaks openly. And this is the first dimension of, of boldness. Sometimes you see people in a difficult circumstance needing to say something and, and you're afraid to say it, but someone speaks boldly about things that are that would rather not be spoken, right? Speaking openly, speaking frankly, that's, that's the first dimension of boldness. A second dimension of boldness is, is speaking openly and publicly. In other words, um, you don't just speak discreetly or um, superficially, hinting at things. No, you speak actually plainly and also openly and publicly. In particular, for Paul's situation, this was interesting because where was he at this point? In Rome, the heart of the Roman Empire. And he is bound to a Roman soldier. He's watched carefully by a Roman soldier who is representing the kingdom of Caesar. He could have spoken discreetly about the kingdom of God so as not to attract attention to himself or to the message and yet, he spoke boldly, he spoke openly, he spoke clearly, he spoke plainly about these truths. The point is that in the heart of the Roman uh, Empire, Paul gets to speak plainly, openly, frankly, about another reign, about another kingdom, about another rule that is much greater than any of the kingdoms of the earth. So the first two meanings of boldness is that Paul spoke with all openness, all plainness, all frankness, hiding nothing. Now, friends, think about how often we find ourselves in situations where we are tempted to avoid speaking plainly about the gospel. I'm not speaking about being excited or, you know, trying to be super passionate about it. I'm simply speaking about speaking plainly about the gospel. For fear that the message might be rejected, too hard to hear. So he speaks softly and perhaps even superficially. But boldness includes plain language. Simple language that is not afraid to speak the truth even when it competes with other views around us. But then speaking with boldness has a third dimension. The dimension of confidence, courage, fearlessness. This means that even though there might be risks or threats in speaking plainly and openly and publicly about our 
convictions of the, of the Bible and of God's Word, of the Gospel, even though there might be risks involved in that, we speak with confidence, we speak with courage, we speak with fearlessness. Think of how often we, we fail to speak the Word of God because we are afraid. Think, think about your own life. When, when you, you want to say something, but you don't. And there's a fear. A fear of what? Perhaps a fear of rejection. Perhaps a fear of we don't know what to say. We don't know where the discussion will go on from that point on. We are afraid perhaps that we will be viewed as somewhat religious. Take a few seconds and try to think of your own heart and describe what stands behind your lack of boldness? What kind of fears stand behind your lack of boldness? What are you afraid of in speaking to others about the Word of God? What hinders your courage to speak about Christ and about His kingdom? When we look at Paul and the way he spoke about the kingdom of God, and about the Lord Jesus Christ in Rome, he spoke with all boldness. And all three dimensions of boldness are present in this last picture of Acts. Plainness of speech, frankness, openness, open pub speaking publicly, with courage, with confidence, with fearlessness. This is the picture Luke wants to paint for us at the end of Acts. This is the last picture of Paul, a man proclaiming and teaching with all boldness. Now, why is this description of, of boldness a big deal for Luke? Well, throughout the book of Acts, he's been mentioning boldness in various parts. And I, I just want to take us through a quick journey through the book of Acts in a few, ver in a few chapters where we see that Luke has emphasized that the, this, the, the characteristic that the the spread of the Word of God has been characterized in Acts by boldness. The spread of the Word of God in Acts has been characterized by boldness. Uh, let's start with all the way with chapter 2, the very first sermon that, that Peter gets to preach. In Acts 2.29, Luke says, or Peter says, Brothers, may I say to you with confidence or with boldness, and then Peter goes on to speak about the Old Testament, about David. But he's speaking to them was with confidence. Then two chapters later in Acts 4, the Sanhedrin and the, the leaders of the, of the Jewish people saw the boldness of Peter and John in the passage we read earlier in the service. What amazed the, the, the leaders of, of, of the Jews about these disciples of Jesus was to see their boldness. Even though... They were uneducated men. They were common men. But when they saw their boldness, even though they were uneducated, they perceived that they had been with Jesus. Did you hear that? Did you see what, what the, the leaders saw about these disciples of Jesus, these followers of Jesus, these apostles? They saw their boldness. And they perceived they had been with Jesus. And when... And when they get, to, get home to the other believers and they start praying, what do the people, what do the believers start praying about? In Acts chapter 4, verse 29, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with 
with all boldness. They pray for boldness. And then when Paul was converted in Acts 9, we are told that he began preaching in Damascus about the Lord Jesus and that his preaching was with all boldness. Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas are sent off on their mission trip, on, on one of their mission trips, and we're told that they spoke out boldly. In Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas spoke boldly for the Lord, even though pressure from the Jews were increasing against them. In Acts 18, we see Apollos in Ephesus is speaking boldly in the synagogue. In Acts 19, Paul has entered the synagogue in Ephesus, and we're told that for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. In Acts 26, Paul spoke to King Agrippa and spoke to him boldly about the Lord Jesus. Friends, do you see how often Luke is interested to, to mention this, this characteristic of, of the spread of the Word of God with boldness in the book of Acts? And now he, he brings it up here at the very end of Acts again. Why? Because Luke wants to leave us with this characteristic of how the Word of God was being passed on in Acts. Even in Rome, even by a bound apostle, the Word of God was communicated with all boldness. Now notice it doesn't say simply with boldness. You know, if, if you if simply said, and Paul taught about the kingdom of God with boldness, it would have been enough. It would have been consistent with everything we've heard so far in the book of Acts. But the emphasis is all boldness. All boldness. Friend, I wonder, I wonder if this characteristic is true of the members of this congregation. If you're a follower of Christ, take a moment to examine yourself and see if, if this characteristic of boldness, may I say even all boldness, this characterizes you when you think about speaking the Word of God. Does such characteristic represent us as a church? Think about it. At the end of Acts, Luke wants to, to zoom in on this characteristic. And we would, we would miss it if we would not take some time to think about, is this also part of the way the Word of God is being spread out among us, through us? Is it with all boldness? Where does this boldness come from? Where does this boldness come from? Well, in, in Acts 4, we, we see two, 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 real, two answers for that in Acts 4 earlier, where we saw that such boldness comes from God. That's why in Acts 4, after Peter and John were released from prison, the believers asked God for such boldness. Brothers and sisters, do you feel that your boldness is weak? Like, sometimes I feel that way. I feel that I don't have all the boldness. Not even some boldness. There are times when I cave in and don't speak up when I should. There are times when, when you probably, if you're like me, you feel this way. And perhaps even this morning, that's you. 
What do we do? What should we do? Well, we should ask God to give it to us. We should pray to God to give us the boldness and pray for it until He gives it. Don't just pray once and then say, I, I prayed, I'm just waiting for it to happen. Keep praying for it until it happens. Keep asking for it until it will be given to you. Don't give up praying for boldness until the Lord answers it. Friends, it's a sad, sad reality to hear about Christians <coughs> that no longer grow um, in, their, in their walk with Christ. And one of the ways their lack of growth is seen is the fact that they have become less bold. Sadly, for some people, the longer they've been Christians, the less bold they've become. That's a sad reality. It's a very sad reality to hear Christians who've never been, who've been walking with the Lord for a long time, yet have lacked boldness to speak about their Lord to non-believers. I realize there might be some right here in our midst who have this condition. Oh, friend, if this is you, do not accept this condition as normal spiritual condition. Get on your knees. Ask God for His boldness. Ask other Christian friends to pray for you for this boldness. Why? Why should you not be content without this boldness? Because the second thing that we, we learn about this boldness in Acts 4 is that such boldness is a characteristic of spirit-filled people. <coughs> such boldness is a characteristic of spirit-filled people. Acts 4.31, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Friends, such boldness is not a characteristic of our personality. You don't need to change your personality to have this boldness. It's an outflow of the presence of the Spirit in us. Friends, one of the, holy, one of the signs that the Holy Spirit is working powerfully in us is when he gives us boldness to speak about Christ. Ask for the Holy Spirit to fill you, to fill us, to fill us with this boldness which we lack. And thirdly, another way, another thing about where does this boldness come from, this boldness comes from the message itself. It comes from God. It comes, it's a characteristic of, of spirit-filled people, but it comes from the message itself. Notice what Paul was proclaiming. The reign of God. His dominion and power to overcome obstacles and sin, our separation from God, death which brought sin into the death which sin brought into the world, that is overcome by the power and reign of God. The boldness of Paul's message was the boldness of the message itself. We don't have to adorn this message. We don't have to make it more, more easy or more light or more fun. We just have to speak it faithfully. We don't have to do a price buildup for this message. We don't even have to do a closing and try to close people and try to get them to make a decision as if we have to sort of have to work that up. Speak the message. Tell them what the message requires. The message of Jesus is a message about the kingdom of God and about Jesus Christ, and now through Jesus Christ, the reign of God 
comes into our lives. Paul taught, Paul taught with boldness that men are strangers and foreigners from the kingdom of God, from his reign, until having their sins forgiven and washed away, they're reconciled to God and are renewed into a wholeness of life by his spirit. Paul taught with boldness about this reign of God that it comes among people when Christ, the mediator, joins them to the Father, granting forgiveness of sins, granting a new heart so that a new life on earth, with that new life on earth, they may always have a longing and a desire for the heavenly reign of God. This longing for the heavenly reign of God is only given to us when we embrace Christ, when we turn to Him, when we repent of our sins and, and embrace Him by faith as being the one in whom our sins have been paid for, the penalty of our sins have been paid, the guilt of our sins have been put away, and we are actually brought in to the family of God. We believe that Christ has done for us, for our salvation. We believe that, and we're given that access into the kingdom of God. You know, friends, we don't get, we don't apply for citizenship into God's kingdom as foreign aliens of that kingdom. The only way to, to become citizens of God's kingdom is if we're born into it. There's no illegal immigrants in God's kingdom. It's either God's way or no other way. And the only way to enter God's kingdom is if we are born into it, born from above. And that new birth comes through understanding and believing and responding to the message about Jesus. Oh, friends, Paul spoke plainly about this kingdom and reign of God. This message of Paul, this message is bold in and of itself. I love what one of the commentators said. The gospel is, in first place, not about us, but about God. Not about our life, but about God's kingdom. Not about our needs, but about God's grace. Not about our priorities, but about God, Jesus' accomplished work. Not about our attempts to change, but about the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, this gospel message, when we make it clear, it has boldness in and of itself. That's why one of the ways to actually grow in boldness is growing knowing the message. Growing studying the message. Growing in, in, in understanding the depths of the message. Paul, for two years under house arrest in Rome, guess what he did? Not only did he teach and preach God's word with boldness, he wrote some letters. And he wrote God's word in, in these letters. And we have the letters the Ephesians, written at this time. We have the letter to the Colossians, written at this time. We have the letter to the Philippians, written at this time. In Philippians 1, Paul said, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me in Rome in this last two years of Acts has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers having been, become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak without fear. Did you hear that? That's, that's what Paul's imprisonment did. Not only did he speak with boldness, but his imprisonment actually created boldness in other believers who heard about him. If you're a Christian, 
I want to grow in boldness for this message. Study this message. Get to know it deeper. Talk to other Christians about this message. Learn from other believers how they teach this message with boldness. One of the books that has greatly encouraged me uh, and gave me boldness uh, in, in speaking about Jesus has been a, a sh- very short book by J.I. Packer uh, called Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God. I encourage you to read it. It, it. it encourages you to think carefully and well about the message. And when that's clear and that's plain, there's boldness in it. Another book that was by Max Stiles, uh, Speaking About Jesus. He's written in a few other books about evangelism that I've encouraged us to, to, to read. But I find it encouraging to my own heart and soul to increase my own boldness in speaking about Jesus, to read and learn from others who are more bold than I am. And one way I do that is by reading their books, reading how they think about evangelism and teaching the Word of God with boldness so that some of that can rub off of me as well. Friends, I encourage you, desire, don't be content. Long for speaking and teaching the Word of God with all boldness. Philippians 1, 19 and 20, Paul says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body. Friends, Paul asked for prayers, prayers of the saints, so that through their prayers, Paul expected not only his deliverance, but he expected that Christ would be honored in his body with full courage, with full boldness. Do you want to grow in such boldness? Do we want to grow in such boldness as a church? Well, let's commit to pray for one another for this boldness. And pray for people by name so that such boldness can characterize not just Paul's ministry, but our own lives and the ministry of this church here in Austin. As we consider this ending of Acts, this first characteristic of all boldness. May that be of us as well. Second of all, speaking without hindrance. Speaking without hindrance. Second and last, very last characteristic. (coughs) The proclamation of the Word of God can have hindrances. It can solicit and cause and trigger hindrances, especially when we speak it boldly. Last week, Philip Van Seenberg reminded us there's places here on earth where the preaching of the Word of God can bring many hindrances. And there's many obstacles to it where people, in, especially in the Middle East, can be imprisoned or even killed. Sharing about Christ and sharing Christ with others brings those kind of threats. And Paul found himself in Rome Prior to this moment, he had experienced the hindrances to the, to the speaking of the Word of God many times. Since chapter 21, we've seen how Paul has been hindered and has been experiencing threats against speaking the Word of God, primarily from, from the Jewish leaders. But here in Rome, at the end of Acts, Paul was able to continue to speak about Jesus without hindrance. No hindrances from the Jews, no hindrances from the Roman officials. The Word of God goes on unhindered. This is how Luke wants to end and close the book of Acts. Now, we don't know what happened at the end of the two years for Paul. The outcome of his trial is uncertain. Uh, His destiny at this point is left unclear. What is clear 
is that the preaching of the Word of God is without hindrance. That's where Luke wants to put the dot of his pen and close the book. The Word of God without hindrance. That's the end of Acts. But if we think carefully, Paul is still under house arrest. Paul is still, he can't go wherever he wants to go. He's watched. In some ways, we would say, where is the, this is a hindrance. For many of us, that would be an intimidating experience. But not for Paul. House arrest was not a hindrance to proclaiming the gospel to whoever came to listen to him. Friends, are there hindrances today for us in proclaiming the word of God? For most of us, the hindrances that Paul experienced, we will not experience. We have not experienced. I pray we don't experience. Although, who knows? Things could change. We don't have the outside pressure that forbids us to speak the word of God. At least not yet. And yet, there seems to be a blockage. There seems to be a, somewhere a blockage. There's some sort of hindrance because Christians are not teaching the Word of God with the same kind of boldness that Paul was. Where's the hindrance? What's the hindrance? We may not have a hard time with pressure from the outside. Is it possible that for us, it's the distractions that hinder us? Our greatest enemy is not outside pressure that opposes the Word of God, but the distractions of life. They have a way to hinder our bold proclamation and teaching. Individual Christians can be distracted by so many things in this life, by the worries of life, by the desires for pleasure, materialism, and all kinds of things, so that often we don't think about the doors we have to teach others about the Word of God. Churches can be distracted by so many busy things, programs that we feel we must do to keep people happy, to try to bring people in. But we actually, are, actually fail to really focus on boldness and seek to preach and teach God's Word with boldness. Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about Jesus without hindrance is a great grace from God. But friends, let me just be very clear. Even if there should be hindrances, even though hindrances may come and obstacles may um, rise up, we should preach the Word of God with boldness. With or without hindrance, we should preach the Word of God with boldness. These two phrases at the end of Acts describe Paul's teaching ministry in Rome. Even though under house arrest, Paul kept on teaching God's Word to whoever came to visit him. But that's not all that Luke tells us. The emphasis is on what and how, not only on the what Paul taught, but how Paul engaged in such teaching with all boldness and without hindrance. Friends, I pray that these two last phrases are our phrases. I pray that when the last chapter will be written for the life of Park Hills Baptist Church, it would be left with these two phrases, with all boldness and without hindrance. I pray that for all of us as individual followers of Christ, when the last words are written about us, 
This would be a great phrase to describe us with all boldness and without hindrance, teaching about the kingdom of God and about the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, I pray that as we come to, this book, to the end of the book of Acts, this would be our story as well. And for that, for that to happen, we must pray. We must seek God. We must unite together and pray for one another and not stop praying. Don't give up praying until that becomes a reality among us in the city of Austin, United States. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a God who provides boldness in your message. That your message, when plainly and clearly explained, has boldness in and of itself. Lord, thank you that you equip your messengers, your servants, even when they're limited by all kinds of things in life, even as Paul was in Rome. That nevertheless, you find a way for your message to be passed on, both with boldness and without hindrance. Oh, Lord, make that to be our story, we pray. For the name of Christ, for his glory and honor. Amen.